Welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw for a special episode where we are going to rank the 10 worst signings made by Partick Thistle since they were relegated from the Premiership in 2018. Joining me to do this are David Forrest. David, hello, how are you? Hello, I'm a bit conflicted about this one, uh, but yeah, um, hello, I'm looking forward to it. Mark Wallace is here. Mark, hello, how are you? I'm really good, I'm looking forward to this. And rounding off our panel this week is podcast debutant. John Ferguson. John, how are you? Thanks for joining us. Very well, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Just before we get into our list, we'll, I'll just talk quickly about how we've decided on our top 10. So the criteria was they must be a player. We're not counting managers. I think we'd all have uh, Mr Caldwell at number one. But they didn't have to play. They must have been signed in between the 2018 relegation from the Premiership and the present day. And we've judged it on a mix of just being bad and a bit of patter. So we all submitted our, our own top 10s and then to make the list for the podcast we've worked out the averages so this is average positions of our four top 10s combined. So we'll go straight into number 10. Number 10 on the list was, is a striker. He was signed in January 2019 on loan by Gary Caldwell before that move was made permanent in the summer. It is Lewis Mansell. Mark, I'll come to you first on Lewis Mansell. Do you want to give us your thoughts on him? I remember thinking when we signed them, young guys for England, they can be a bit hit or miss. You could get, you could get guys out of nowhere from the, the lower reaches of England or in the sort of academy system that work out really well. Lyle Taylor's an example of that, like how he went from being released by Bournemouth and then ended up having been prolific in non-league coming up, going back and then ended up at Falkirk and doing really well and making a good career for himself. Lewis Mansell, however, none of this applies to. A big physical striker with a bit of technique, but it never translated into anything. Ultimately, very disappointing. Now playing for Accrington Stanley in League One, at which beggars belief. John, he scored 30... Uh, sorry, he did not score 33 goals. <laughs> no, he, <laughs> he did not. <laughs> he, played, he played in 33 games and he only scored three goals. Was it his goal scoring... Was failure to be a goal scorer that caught your eye, or was it more his style of play? It was a bit of both, to be honest. Um, as you say, he didn't score many goals. Um, he didn't really do it in the park either. The only real standout moment I think he had was when he played that ball into Fitzpatrick for that goal. That's the only time I can remember him. Um, as Mark said, he went to Accrington Stanley. I think he's now on loan at Halifax, which is in non-league football where he's scored once in two appearances. So, I mean, he's 23. He's not even a young guy anymore. You know, he's not like 17, 18. By the trajectory of his career, it's only going downwards, and that's basically what we saw at Thistle. He never really cut it. David, what are your thoughts on on Mansell? I think I think this entire panel is forgetting that he was in the SPFL team of the season last se- season for the championship, didn't he? Beat like Kevin Nisbet and Shanklin, so clearly can't he be that bad. Uh, As we all know, David. Um, <laughs> um, uh, there, there was some uh, as a as a certain Cheeto dusted. 
uh, obese American politician who <laughs> may not be able to be named for legal reasons might say um, rigged election. Stop the count. Stop the count. Stop the steal. Aye. Uh, Dunfermline fans and Dundee United fans are screaming stop the steal as uh, like Kevin Nisbet get denied because of uh, Lewis Van. So I will say, right, I know I know it was Patter, right? I, I, it's, ki- it's kind of nice, like, it's... Clearly there's a little bit of affection there uh, that people went to the effort of bamming up the SPFL Twitter poll to get him <laughs> into the team this season. Do you know what I mean? Like, he wasn't completely anonymous. He, he clearly had some sort of an impact, positive or negative. I, I don't know. Like, again, I'll, I'll always... You know, I mean, his dad literally saved a fan's life, so we have to hold that towards him. You know, that's... You know, get him in the team then. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Might have scored more than three goals. But, I mean, I, I can't ever uh, decry someone who gave us the the assist for the Fitzpatrick moment. I, I mentioned it as my favourite Thistle moment on our previous episode. No, I, I, can't, I can't decry Lewis Mansell because... And I think that was the game as well where he, he'd missed... A, a shot earlier and yes. he was through a goal and everyone played him, I think Fitzpatrick had played him in and he fucked it yeah <laughs> and I think when, when Mansell got to it and you were there and he's like I, I think everybody in the studio was like oh no he's going to fucking miss it and then he passed it to Fitzpatrick and it was unreal scenes so I, ca- I can't I can't say a bad word about Lewis Mansell um, he gave us that great moment team of the season for me no bother <laughs> um, absolute legends the streets will never forget I, I can say some bad words about Lewis Mansell. Um, <laughs> I think what makes it worse, and it's obviously not his fault, he came in the same summer that Doolan left as a permanent signing. So I think himself, Alex Jones and Kenny Miller were all sort of judged maybe to slightly higher standards because they were all coming in after Doolan left. And I think, uh, as you mentioned there, David, players' fathers might be a bit of a theme on this list. But uh, his, his dad did do like the most memorable contribution of his Thistle career uh, by saving that life at, at Aki's away. So yeah. three goals in 33 games, regularly get called a Bambi. That's sort of my abiding memory of him on the pitch, somebody just shouting Bambi at him all the time. Um, so I... I, I, I know that on Nigel. <laughs> he used to get Nigel quite a lot. That was me that started that, and I feel bad for it. What, one thing I would say about his dad uh, uh, saving the guy's life, it was, um, it was Arnie, uh, who goes to lots of official games. He's a popular aye, figure Arnie, around. Uh, he, Arnie he tried... still comes. Arnie's, I've, I, I drink with Arnie in the Woody quite a lot. He's really nice, kind of older guy. Yeah, I, I remember after after yeah. I think it was the first game he'd went back after yeah. uh, the after uh, what happened, he came back and he was in the woody with me and Mark and I asked him and he's like uh, and I said to him he says how how do you feel knowing that you've probably got another contract extension because his dad <laughs> saved your life and he was like I felt really bad I was like why he said so I've been calling him fucking useless up until it happened. <laughs> <laughs> No, I can't even do that. That sums Arnie up, to be honest. We'll move on to number nine on the list. Uh, Number nine is another striker who was also signed in January 2019 on a short-term deal by Gary Cordwell. Uh, He had made five appearances and failed to score. It is Ali Roy. John, I'll come to you first on him. What are your abiding memories of Ali Roy in a thistle shot? The thing about Ali Roy is he's the blandest person on this list. Because there's nothing really to say about him 
other than he was useless. Um, let's see, five appearances, no goals, didn't really do anything for us. Um, another sort of Gary Caldwell signing. It was just, I think a lot of these players get tainted by their association with Gary Caldwell. To be honest, everybody that signed gets judged on his his judgment. Um, he's went Airdrie. And I looked at, he's got 21 appearances and two goals, so he's not prolific there either. Though that means that he's absolutely nailed on to score today, definitely, without any doubt. Uh, yeah, he was <laughs> Ali Roy, basically. That was it. So you know the grass? Yes, the snake. Yeah. I've been blocked yeah, on he... Twitter for calling him a snake. Oh, yeah, that's right. forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. I think we could take credit for the scoop because it was our, it was a, the yes, draw, it was it was. group chat that figured out he was on Vodafone. And I think you're going to have to credit Reese Haldane for that. It was his, <laughs> yes, it was his it hard was, work. Uh, Re- Reese Haldane PI, exactly, uh, getting the, uh, the nitty gritty. The other thing I remember about Ali Roy. Reese will find out who H is before anybody else in line. He <laughs> uh, started watching Line of J, Mark. Uh, no, yet, but I'll be getting on it. The other thing I remember about Ali Roy is that when he gets signed, I don't know if you remember this, Mark, but on Pai and Bovril, when he gets signed, his dad signed up and pure touted, touted him as like this incredible prolific goal scorer in Ireland. That he'd yeah, like- he'd had a very good record in Ireland. Um, and, it, and the thing is as well, seeing his first, the, his debut against Stranaer, he scored an absolute banger, but it was disallowed for a marginal offside. And he got on the programme for that, because there was a programme cover a couple of weeks after of him celebrating that goal, <laughs> um, which says a lot that you, you got on the programme yeah. for celebrating a goal that was offside. Brilliant, brilliant. I think similarly, he came in maybe a few weeks before Scott McDonald came in and then he was obviously over, overshadowed and chances were limited. But I, I think he made the list mostly because of the WhatsApp thing. <laughs> I'd totally forgotten all about that, to be honest. That was a brilliant moment. Number eight on the list. I think slightly harsh, but but he's in there. Uh, he's a midfielder. He also signed by Gary Caldwell. A uh, bit of a theme going on. Signed in July 2019. He made 16 appearances and scored two goals. Uh, as Rafa De Vita. Mark, I'll come to you on Davita first. I swear to God, this guy, I have never seen a mere aggravating thistle player in my life. Like I've got a couple of pals that are Levy fans and they were like, oh, they're, oh, keep us updated on how Davita's doing. We love Rafa Davita and I'm like, mate, he is without a doubt one of the absolute worst footballers I have ever seen in a thistle jersey. He just had no, there was no urgency about him at all. There was no, yeah. uh, like, th- this guy was like, he was good for a goal every now and then. He'd won the League Cup, he won the League Cup with Ross County. He'd been around Livy for a long time. And this guy was atrocious, utterly atrocious. Scored a good goal against Morton in the league, to be fair. And then scored against Connors Key Nomads in the... Challenge Cup as well. This guy, I have any time I saw him, I was like, this guy is fucking shite. <laughs> like, there's, there's not, there's no other way to describe him. I will don't, don't sugarcoat it. Tell us what you actually think. think. <laughs> his debut was, he was a substitute on his debut in an away league game. It was at what we're going to call the Lewis Mansell game or Lewis Mansell's father's game when um, the 2-2 draw in the League Cup and I think he missed the deciding penalty in that shootout 
which in the end didn't matter because we qualified from the group. But I think if you do something like that on your debut, you're maybe not off to the best start and fans are going to yeah. not warm to you immediately. He did then on his first league start, as you say, Mark, he scored a really good goal at Capelo, but that, that was about it in terms of his contribution. I think I think it's a wee bit harsh that he's on it because he was such, in my eyes, a sort of an anonymous player rather than an outrageously bad player, but I can't really argue with him being in there. Sorry, I was going to say, this is some fierce revisionism from Mark, who I once sat next to at Furhill as we both sang Davita! I mean, it's a, a, a U-turn from Mark Wallace here um, I, from Are starting that chant. Despicable revisionism. David, I'm your Come witness on. to that. I saw that happen. There's a very good chance I had been very much at the Woody. I, I don't know, like, Davita, for me, it was, like, again, he was just not the right player at the right time. He, he clearly had something about him in the past, but I think he was kind of, what what age was he when he was off his? He was, like, he was he was yeah, getting... Early 30s. Yeah, he was getting early 30s, whatever. Um, and, yeah, he was kind of slowing down a wee bit, and I just, I don't think he fit this, the, the system at that time. But, um, yeah, I, I'll, I'll always remember the tequila chant. That's all I'll remember. John, thoughts on Davita? Yeah, much the same as the other two. Um, he obviously had talent, you could see that, but he just wasn't asked. He wasn't up for it. He's not the sort of guy you need when you're in a sort of relegation battle. He's the sort of player you want when you're on the way up and not the way down, and, and he showed that. So, yeah, I'm glad he's on the list because he was useless. Cool, we'll move on. Number seven on the list, uh, our first goalkeeper of the list. He was signed again by Gary Caldwell. It's not all Gary Caldwell signings. It was signed by Gary Caldwell in July 2019. He made 31 appearances. He kept four clean sheets and conceded 50 goals. That is Scott Fox. David, I'll come to you first on Mr Fox. That is a terrifying stat. He played about 31 games and kept four clean sheets. Yep. That's unreal. I actually can't believe that. I think the thing that really, really annoyed us about Fox... I mean, coming not not coming off his line, or like just being like with it in the goal on corners and stuff like that, just not having any positional awareness, which is wild. I think the thing that annoyed me about Fox the most was that he had to be a successful goalkeeper for us. You know, he went to County uh, obviously under a cloud uh, with uh, you know all the Scotland cap chat and stuff like that, but he he solidified himself as a sort of all right keeper, like he. he uh, County, like I know he had the some the odds um, blunder and very prominent blunder, so like one against Rangers and stuff like that. But like he would also pull out like mad saves and stuff like that. And when he came in, I thought, you know what? Similar to Cherney, where I think we mentioned in a previous episode that he will make mistakes at times, but he'll he'll but he'll bail you out on another occasion. I kind of thought going into it, it would be like that, and then it was just week after week of just not bailing us out and it, it was just as well the, the worst one by a considerable distance was the Arbroath game where he kept punting the ball into the sea because he didn't understand the concept of wind and it was just and people were like actively screaming at him to like punt it the opposite direction and stuff like that and he just was not getting it it was just every time he got a goal kick in that game it was just the absolute worst and he was very much tainting his legacy a little bit him uh, by coming back, but and, and the fact that he, he basically shot Sneddon out. I think Sneddon, I think we made six appearances and like 
apart from that, he was barely getting like the Iron Brew Cup games and stuff like that. He wasn't even getting a sniff there. And it's just for the for cutting out the legs of Snedden for this, it absolutely was not worth it. John Scott Fox. Yeah, Scott Fox. I like Scott Fox to be honest. Um, I'm a wee bit biased though because I played golf for him at Chris Dillon's testimonial. We played 18 holes and he was a cracking laugh. Like from start to finish, he was brilliant. So ever since then, I've sort of revised my opinion of him, and I think he's brilliant. Probably the best thistle goalie ever. Off the pitch, on the pitch, definitely not. Yeah, the problem. Did he take Fox. many drop balls. <laughs> I a few, I. Brilliant. No, he was a good guy, man. We played the 18, and I spent basically 18 holes asking him about Gary Caldwell and trying to get any sort of gossip. But he was very professional. Very, oh, it was, you know. Oh, it was good training and he was a, a, an okay guy and all that sort of part. But um, no, Fox was really decent. The one thing you would say about him is when he left, he sort of left as Billy Big Boss, you know, I'm away to get Scotland caps, I'm away to do this and that. And then when you come back with your sort of tail between your legs, you really need to perform. And he didn't. And he's away again. So uh, it's a bit unfair to have him on this list, I think, but I can understand why he is. Mark, uh, say as much as you can on Scott Fox because for legal reasons we're not coming to you on number six. Right. Um, the, th- the whole thing about the, the Fox return, like you're thinking, okay, this is an interesting uh, statement. So, so statement like Colwell really wants us to get back to the top flight. He's bringing in a guy who's got promoted with us before and uh, it just didn't work out at all. Starting his default starting position of being behind the goal line on corners and stuff just baffles me. And as David mentioned, he left under a cloud. He, he, I was at the Player of the Year function when it happened, when um, the one of the lasses that does the programme selling uh, on the South Drive, like they all put together to get Fox an award and basically, like, sort of, she's like, oh, we'll hope you'll stay at the club. And uh, Fox came up and got his award, just went, oh, uh, uh, it's, uh, it's been a pleasure, dropped the mic and fucked off. And like, Lyle Taylor and Ben Richards Everton were going about to not fuck at him, because like, he, he pure humiliated the lassie in front of everybody. I don't really worry about it in too much depth, because I think I did it on last year's pods. I thought it was terrible last season. He'd never come off his line, and the way he left again by invoking a relegation release clause when he was one of the big reasons we got relegated... Yeah. He played like a shite bag and he left like a shite bag. So <laughs> that's all I've got to say. Number six, Mark, you're not commenting on this one, so you can have a wee five minutes off. Number six is Jai Katongo, striker who was signed, the first Alan Archibald signing on the list, signed in August 2018. He made 13 appearances for the club and he scored one goal. Um, he was arrested in December 18, 2018 for an alleged assault on his girlfriend and he was found not proven of assault the following year. He was released by Gary Caldwell at the end of a short contract in January 2019. David, Jai Katongo. Based, based on the pitch, I mean, who was the goal he scored against? Dundee United when we were already 2-0 down at home. Yeah, like... I think we, I think a lot of us had quite high hopes since Ike Tongo was signed. I think we thought that he could do something, and he just didn't. It, it just was there. I mean, I, I think his most notable game was the Morton game when all the Morton fans were telling him to cheer up. That was literally the the most present he was at a game, apart from his goal. That that was it. I think the the fact that he. 
like players can get into a bit of bother off the field, but the fact we knew he'd been arrested and then he was subbed on at a game in Dingwall, I think while he was still under investigation and the club hadn't really commented and I thought it didn't really sit right with me that and there was no real statement on it. And I think the club maybe knew they got it wrong because he was released a few weeks later. But if we just judge him purely on his football, I think we're all quite excited by his signing because he was one of the standout players in that division while he was at Morton. He'd scored some great goals for Morton. Maybe not a prolific goal scorer, but more a scorer of great goals. And he had pace. He was a pacey striker, which we'd not really had. And he just never really lived up to it. Yeah, because like, his time at Morton, like, he, he was really impressive. Sort of out wide and up top. Like you said, a scorer of great goals. Had a lot of promise, but like a lot of injuries. I think, he's, I think his dad was a bit like that, Jose Catongo. Like he had, he was quite similar. He also he also played for Thistle as well. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of promise about Jai. It just didn't work out. John, thoughts on Katongo? Yeah, much the same. Very good player. When he signed, it was pretty exciting. We thought he was going to be great, and then he had his um, his legal troubles, which was found was it not proven? Um, what was it? Yes. Innocent? Yeah, not proven. Not, right. not proven. Yeah. Yeah. So. Fair enough, you can't really comment on that. Completely separate to his legal issues, I think he's a terrible human being and a complete fud. And that's all I've got to say about him. <laughs> that, that can stand. What are you going to do, Susan? Spilling the tea here. John Ferguson, geez, Owen. <laughs> <laughs> just completely separate from his legal issues. Just want to make that clear. Totally separate. <laughs> Mark, I'll come to you first on number five, because I know he was number one on my list and your list. He is another goalkeeper, another Alan Archibald signing, signed in June 2018. He made 16 appearances for the club. He kept two clean sheets and conceded 28 goals. It is Mr Cameron Bell. Take it away, Mark. How the fuck is this cunt no number one? Um, From my grief from this corner. (laughs) I have seen some terrible Thistle goalkeepers over the years. Bryn Halliwell wasn't particularly good. I, Graham, we gave Graham Shepherd a game uh, against Queen of the South a few years ago. We were really low in numbers and he flung in three goals. We were 3-1 up against Queen of the South. Uh, but this guy, like, one of the just, Jesus fuck, that Capello game, I'm glad I left that when we were 3-1 down. Because I think if I'd actually saw that goal in person, my head would have fallen off. Like, honest to God, I can't believe for the life of me how bad he was. If anything, we should have took the, the Shanklin volley at Furhill as a sort of flash across the bows, as it were. Did we learn? Did we fuck? I was going to say I would have paid good money for Matt Wallace's Instagram story for the selves because you would absolutely have went into the jail if you had seen that goal in person no shadow of a doubt I did stay to the end of the Capital 5-1 and I'm, I'm glad Mark left at 3-1 as well I think and I had to uh, just taking him taking him to the train station I've seen some bad Thistle performances that's the worst individual performance I've seen from a player playing for Thistle I think he was at fault for definitely three, arguably four of the goals. Was it Tidzer that scored the goal from 50-odd yards out in the wing? Anyway, that goal, that 
I, it's inexplicable. You see mistakes and you think, I can see why he's done that. He's not got his positioning right. Or he's just taking his eye off the ball. I, I don't get it. I don't understand how that happened. I have a question for you on Cammy Bell. Um, I, I didn't put him in my list because I, I, well, just, I didn't. You know, remember that rumour that was going about that we would have to play PT to Pelican in goals because he was registered as a goalkeeper through the fan thing? <laughs> Do you think he would have played worse than Cammy Bell in that Morton game? It would have been hard. No. No. <laughs> no. Because he'd have just stood in the middle of the goal for that last goal and would have hit him. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was pathetic. The thing about Cammy Bell is, like, my earliest memory of him as a goalkeeper wasn't when he was playing with Thistle. It was probably the playoff final, Motherwell versus Rangers. I think he had two howlers in that game. So from that moment on, I always knew him as, like, a terrible goalkeeper. And it's at least one and a half because one of them was so like that moment that finished them is because like I always remember him initially when he was on loan for Kelly at Queen of the South he was he was on loan of them for six months and then a full season the season after about two thousand and eight two thousand and nine time and I remember him being very very good mm-hmm. and obviously he went on to Kelly done well won the league cup with him and all that. And then he went to Rangers and like I think he said I think he said himself that the Rangers move was just too big for him. Like he'd underestimated it. He went to Rangers at a time when there was a lot of expectation they would absolutely waltz right back through to the top flight and win the league, etc. And like he didn't realise just how much it over, like, sort of overwhelmed him. And then that bet he had that playoff final error and now like he's he was at us then at Falkirk. And then Queen's Park now he's retired. Yeah, his just career just went downwards from there, didn't it? I mean, as you say, that was like a defining Wait. moment for him. And I've always seen him as like a diddy. And you know when things aren't going well for your club and then you get like a signing update and it's the one goal in Scottish football you consider a diddy who's just signed for your club. Um, I, that summed it up for me. It was never going to work. I, I think Matt's going to say the same thing as myself. My memory of Bill before, did he not pull out some like unreal save or like some game where you just pulled out some real performance and saved like two penalties or something like that he saved three, three penalties oh, that's right, for Dundee United that's right. yeah. Yeah. yeah my first memory my first memory of Bell I think he got man of the match in the League Cup final for Kelly and I always thought he was alright in the Rangers playoff was just like a freak and I was I wouldn't say excited when we signed him but I thought alright like solid enough he's not on Tam Cherney's level but he'll be our first choice goalie and he'll be fine the mark of like a goalie that's going to win your leagues is making saves that you don't expect him to save. Cherney did that all the time. Yeah. I can't remember one save that Cammy Bell made for us that I thought, wow, that was a good save. Just made the basic saves and then made some absolute clangers. One other thing I was going to mention about Bell, was he not signed at the same time as Aaron Lennox when we already had two keepers? I remember we had four goalkeepers at one point at the start of the season and I'm sure Cammy Bell and Aaron Lennox are both signed in the same day. Why Why would you sign two goalkeepers at the same time when you already have two goalkeepers? It was just absolutely bemusing. Yeah, I think that whole era was bemusing, to be honest. <laughs> Anything went at that point. Well, that, that'll take a nice link on to number four. Also signed in August 2018 by Alan Archibald. A striker, four appearances, zero goals. John, I'll come to you on this man first. It's Solomon Koulibaly. I mean, I like Big Koulibaly. Obviously... He was a decent player at Kilmarnock, came through the books at Tottenham, so he was decent enough. It was a weird one to sign him when we didn't know if we could play him or not. That was strange, but the fact that he was there, and then when he finally was allowed to play, 
we had Caldwell in charge and he wouldn't play him for whatever reason. But I mean, since since he left us, he's his career seems to be all right. Um, he's scoring goals at the moment. I've seen he's got a call-up to the Ivory Coast squad. So, I mean, there was a decent player there. And if he'd been able to play under the previous manager, he might have been successful for us. But he didn't do anything. Just cost his money. And in the end, Caldwell didn't fancy him. Same old story. Kulabali's pedigree, as John sort of alluded to, is actually pretty good. Like He came through at Spurs after being at Siena. Uh, he was the top scorer at the Under-17 World Cup in 2011. Uh, he scored those all those goals, um, nine goals in four matches. Moved on, obviously, to Spurs. He was uh, dubbed the new Didier Drogba uh, by the media in uh, the Ivory Coast. For He was like Didier Drogba, big, powerful striker, prolific. Didn't make it through at Spurs. I don't know if it was injuries or something. He went on loan to Grosseto, then Barry. Then signed for Peterborough United, scored a few goals, left. Then he went to Kelly, had his good spell at Kelly. Then, it's this is when he gets interested. He moved to Al Ali for £800,000. But then, in May of 2017, four months after he joined, uh, he said that he'd left saying that he felt oppressed at Al-Ali due to being Christian and Egypt being a Muslim country. Other uh, other players at Al-Ali said he was talking nonsense. He then was trying to rescind his contract. That started the whole legal wrangling of when we tried to sign him. Of course, if you remember when we announced it, there was a lot of really weird, angry Egyptian guys in our mentions on Twitter and stuff like that. Yeah, that was a great moment. <laughs> on the 25th of April 2018... A FIFA commission found against Koulibaly in his contract dispute with Al-Ali, and he owes Al-Ali $1,436,000. He, he's currently playing for Etoile du Sahel, who are one of the sort of bigger clubs in Tunisia. He scored, apparently, he scored seven goals in 14 games for them since 2019, but obviously I think he's not allowed to play until he pays back the debt he owes Al-Ali, which... I, don't know if that's going to be happening anytime soon, in all honesty. I think that's basically why he's on the list, isn't it? Just because we never really knew if we could play him, and then if we did, we yeah, might get like, hit one million quid bill. Nothing says desperate club underachieving in the league below after being expected to win promotion than signing a striker who might get you sued <laughs> and ended up getting taken to FIFA and now owes the club that we, so- we signed him from over a million dollars. I think that's a pretty damn Sicily thing, that. I don't necessarily disagree with the idea of getting a guy who quite clearly is mm-hmm. above our level a, a little bit, but nobody will touch him and maybe taking the punt of just going, you know what, if we get if we get off with it, like, he might score lots of goals for us. I don't necessarily disagree with it, but yeah, um, the fact There's that we went through all this... nobody touches a player of decent pedigree, though. See, true, like, yeah. It's like that bit in The Simpsons where Homer thinks that there's nuts inside the tin and it's actually spring snakes. And he, <laughs> and he gets a fright. That's basically Suleiman Kilabali. He has a he has a trick he's a trick can of nuts with springy snakes inside. 
That's one way to put it out. If I have a description, you can tell he used to work for the record, can't you? I just, like, I just, the, all the hoops we jumped through, all the battles we had online with Al Ali fans, and then just never played. I've, I've never seen Matt as excited, or Mark. We were all, like, hyperactive schoolgirls when Solomon Kulabali came on at Dunfermline away. We were all, like, pure, like, incredibly excited that he was actually going to play for, like, 20 minutes. And then that that was like his only appearance for like six weeks. I think, I think we were that we were that excited because we were three 0 down. It was quarter past nine on a Tuesday night in February. It was freezing. We we're just glad he wasn't dead. So that's getting a sight in him of him. Uh, an interesting fact about Koulibaly, if you've not if you're not Koulibaly facted out there, is that he was it was announced that he was leaving the club in the same statement as Chris Doolan. Two legendary strikers leaving at the same time there. That's a great pub quiz <laughs> question. That's absolutely coming up with a missile quiz for Jamie to win. That bit sums it up, doesn't it? Like, I mean, part of that time, I would imagine that Koulibaly leaving would have been the headline, and then in the last line, oh, and Chris Dillon's also going. Uh, we'll move on to number three, who I was going to say he's played the least games on this list, but uh, he hasn't. That's number two. Number three, he was signed in January 2020. This is the first Ian McCall signing on the list. He made three appearances. I can't remember a single thing he did, and now he plays for Drum Chapel. It's Darren McKinnon. David, what are your memories, if any, of McKinnon? I, I think I mentioned this before. The only time I remember McKinnon, I don't. Well, uh, the only time thing I remember him is I went to a Glasgow Cup game that he played against Queens Park, and like one of our youth players ever got absolutely halved by a Queens Park player. And Darry McKinnon ran up to the referee and went, fuck's sake, ref, that's a tackle I would make, which showed a sign of just how mental he was. I didn't even remember if he was good or not. The only other thing I can remember is that he could only play for an hour. And that uh, he fully admitted in like his first interview, I can only play for an hour. And McCall knows this, so I'm going to play for an hour and see how I go. And that that was it. And then he just played for an hour and then, <laughs> then he gets set up because he was fucked. I let me refresh your memory. He was not good. He played in <laughs> he played in the game, the Scott Fox game at Arbroath, uh, and he was it may have been his debut. Um, it may have been his league his first league start. It, and he also played in the Scottish Cup game against Celtic. I can't remember what his third appearance was, which basically sums up. But he was absolutely awful at Arbroath. Like, obviously the conditions didn't suit him that day, but the ball was just going over his head, and he couldn't do he couldn't do anything. Yeah, I mean. What can you say? He played like three times. When he, to be honest, when he arrived, I thought he was going to be a decent signing. I thought he was going to be exactly what we needed in the midfield. You know, a bit of dig about him, uh, a bit of work rate, but he was none of those things. And the fact that he went from Partick to sort of Drumchapel, I mean, no harm to Drumchapel, but I don't even know if they're in the pyramid. I, I don't know if they're a pub team or Sunday League team or well, I have no idea. But if you're going from Partick to sort of Drumchapel in your next move, it probably means that you shouldn't have came to Partick Thistle in the first place. Mark. Speaking as a former resident of Drum Chapel, I will not hear this slander um, <laughs> against my my motherland. But are they in the pyramid? Like, I have no idea. What, what league are they in? Yeah, they are. They're like tier eight. But yes, they are. <laughs> sure uh, to be fair, I think he only signed because he gave him a full time job, did he not? Because uh, he was, he, I said he was still employed by Aki's when he played with us as a coach. He was still coaching at Aki's when he played for us. <laughs> That's crazy. But fair enough. As I was saying, uh, Darian McKinnon, bit of a colourful career. Spent four and a half, he got he went to jail for four and a half years. 
And before that, he was he spent two years in the Young Offenders, so that gives you an idea of the kind of combative midfielder he was. He's moving up the pyramid there, then. A good move. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I didn't even see his one appearance in, in person. I actually watched the game against Celtic in the pub. It's actually one of the last times we were allowed out before COVID. There's a real theme going on here, Mark, that you don't see many of these players because you're in the pub. Well, <laughs> you telling me you want you you're telling me you want to see half of these players? I have seen yeah. most. I have seen all of these players. Unfortunately, the, the, thing, the thing for me with Darren McKinnon was like <laughs> you bear the scars. <laughs> the thing about to, that I always took with Darren McKinnon was like you could kind of see what my, I, I, at least I thought I could see what McCall was trying to do. You want to toughen up when you're when you're losing a lot of games and you're. People might think you've got a soft centre. You want to bring in guys like McKinnon who are hard guys, hard workers, who you want to toughen up the side. And, oh, good grief. It was bad. He looked, he looked so off it. Like, it wasn't even funny. Like, we've had guys with injury issues, as we've talked about before, and you're like, this guy is completely and utterly fucked. And I remember a mate of mine, an Aki's fan, telling me the same. He's like, his knees are absolutely gone, man. I was that filled me with existential dread, and then actually seeing it happen, you're like, oh fuck. I think Stuart Bannigan's eleven proof that you don't actually need functional knees to play in our midfield. So I'm not giving him that as an excuse. <laughs> we'll move on to number two. Number two is the man who's made the least appearances in this list. He is a winger. He was signed in July of 2019 by Gary Caldwell. And it is Mitch Austin. John, I'll come to you first on Mitch Austin. Yeah, I remember when Mitch Austin signed. Um, we were on Twitter and there was lots of YouTube clips of him just being super fast. It was meant to be the super fast player. Oh, I can't wait to see this guy playing. Oh, he's going to run, tear up the wing. And then he just seemed to be injured for 99% of the time he was there. Um, I would imagine there is a player there somewhere but we never saw it I think after Thistle uh, when he got released I don't even think he's got a club at the moment maybe that's to do with coronavirus or so but maybe he's just he's never going to cut it maybe he's just too injured but yeah it's just a sort of waste of space to be honest in his defence he did leave in March 2020 just before the whole thing started to return to Australia yeah we'll maybe give him a wee pass we pass on that one but I think the pandemic never (laughs) Crazy. Get he, out, mate. <laughs> he signed, I think, a few weeks after Scott McDonald made the decision to to return to Australia. And I don't think this has ever been confirmed or even rumoured, but you can sort of just imagine Gary Colbert saying to Scott McDonald, please sign, please sign, please sign. Scott McDonald going, no, but I could recommend you some players from the A-League. And Gary Colbert's like, oh, see if you're not going to sign, right, go for it, because it might be cheap. What about that guy, Mitch Austin? I think he won, like, a, he was maybe in the team of the year, the team of the month or something. Uh, he looks alright, and then he comes over, and he's another Bambi, basically really fast, with no real football ability. Did have quite a an engaging Twitch channel, I think. Yeah, we signed a fucking YouTuber to play in the right wing. What the fuck were we thinking? What the fuck? Like, like, what the like? What the what the actual fuck? Right, this guy. I remember we were getting, I think we were getting gobbed off Dundee United at Fur Hill and. Lauren Shankly scored a hat trick. I think we were four 0 down, and like I was getting ready to leave to go back to the pub, 
and like I was like, nah, I'm like, because he was like Mitch Austin's coming on. It's like, I actually want to see this cunt in the flesh. I really want to see this guy. And then uh, as soon as he came on to the pitch, I just walked out. And then but, there was the Challenge Cup semi-final when, for whatever reason, <laughs> he decided not to squirrel the ball to Tam Aware when they took the game to extra time. That's my bad memory. Like, which, was actually, which was, in fairness, that was actually a decent cameo from him. Like, he came on and he actually t- kind of gave us a wee bit of something after we'd been utterly dreadful. Man- Lewis Mansell scored in that game. Oof, Jesus. And then you're like, all right. Imagine a Mansell-Austin double in a game. It's <laughs> up there with the pogba Aziz Steny game. Like, in oh, terms of like, <laughs> mythology. I just remember, it, I was like, he cut across, he, like, he, he, went down, he went down the sort of byline and you're like, okay, you fucking cut it back, cut it back, cut it back, because Div, you were right next to me, and you're like, yes, oh, just cut it back, just cut it back, and like, and for whatever reason, he went for the shot himself, and to be fair, it hit the it hit the bar. You're like, uh, but aware was screaming at him. Absolutely, it's always Graham as well. David, you got any thoughts on Austin? Uh, well, I went to one of his very mythical appearances. Um, I'll always remember him and Alex Jones for the 9-1 Gubbin of Clyde, where I swear to God, it was a watch in Holland in 1978. I know they were all like 15-year-olds at Clyde or whatever, but they absolutely ran the show. And I watched this and I was like, he's, he's going to be amazing. He's going to be great if he gets a game. And then he wasn't. It's really strange. I'm surprised we've never done anything with him on Twitter. Which, to be honest, he says a lot about, about his footballing ability, but I'm more surprised we didn't do anything with him on Twitch. Absolutely loved Loch Lomond to a man, his favourite place in the world, because he was there every three days taking pictures on Instagram at Loch Lomond. Absolutely loved it. But yeah, I remember the Challenge Cup semi-final. That's, uh, that was a big thing, because he came on, he made a slight impact. He thought he might actually be on to something, and then I didn't square the time away, and everybody just kind of turned on him. The, the club flew his mall over to give him his luggage. She turned up at a Glasgow Cup game in Dumbarton with all his luggage. Um, I remember that. And, yeah, I'll, I'll just always remember the 9-1 against Clyde. It was great. I think he's maybe so high on the list as well because we've sort of judged hype versus reality. And he was really highly built up when we signed him. And obviously we're not privy to the sort of wage information, but I think most fans had sort of guessed he was one of our top earners that season. Number one on our list, I'm just going to read through my wee short notes and then I'll open it up to you. This is number one. He was a midfielder. He was signed in July of 2018 by Alan Archibald. He made 12 appearances and scored one goal. What a goal it was though. He had four senior yellow cards and three reserve red cards. He called a fan a fat cunt on social media. His dad offered a (laughs) Gary Caldwell parody account out for a fight. He tried to punt Versace jackets on his Instagram. He nearly broke Scott Brown's leg in a League Cup last 16 match, and this was all in the space of five months. Oh, brilliant. He's not stamping his heart as well. I seem to remember him stamping on his heart at the same time as well. I just remember the leg. He nearly broke his leg. Anyway, that was all in the space of five months. He left in December 2018 after struggling to get into the team under Gary Caldwell. And since then, what's that, two and a quarter years, he has had six clubs since. That is the man himself, Jack Storer. I'll open it up. A legend. Oh, that's remember the name. 
Oh, like, I remember seeing when we signed him, like, I asked about anyone who sort of knew anything about sort of lower league English football. It's like, do you know anything about this guy? Like, and I think one of the, what, what, this one Birmingham City guy who'd like seen their like under 23s or whatever said he's a talented player, but he's got a temper. He's got a really, really bad temper. And there's the, what do you mean? You've got, what do you mean? He's got a really bad temper. He's like, he's got more red cards and he's got senior goals. And it's like, oh, fuck. Brilliant. And then he came on again. He, he, he made his debut against Albion Rovers. Uh, in the League Cup group stage. And that Albion Rovers team was full of absolute junior hatchet men. Like, no even good junior players. Like, that Albion Rovers team was absolutely bogging. And there was, like, one moment where, like, he got cleaned out by one of the Albion Rovers boys. And uh, Storer's response was to punch a bin that was at the side <laughs> of the pitch. And I'm like... Like I was at leave it at the far end, like see like behind the goal and you're like but you can see it how you're like Oh fuck <laughs> Like oh no 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 And then obviously you have the Morton game where he scores that absolute fucking world day. What one of the best goals at Far Hill I've ever seen. It's just a shame the cunt that scored that it was an absolute bastard. <laughs> yeah, it was a brilliant goal. One of the sweetest strikes I've ever I seen. Like, it was incredible. Absolute thunder bastard. And then a one in a million strike. I've never seen anything like it. And of course it was him. Of uh, course it was him that scored. Incredible goal that was. Sure, like, like when he gets sent off in the reserves and you're like, okay. And then like he's back and he's like he's been sent off in the reserves again. Like, okay, that's two, that's fine. He's, like, he's been set off in the reserves again. I just think the admin of the social media at that time had like, that saved in the draft. A bit like the Rangers admin's got penalty to Rangers saved in the drafts. He's just got Jack Stoller yeah. has once again been sent off in a reserves <laughs> match in the drafts. See, the thing is, as well, the red cards weren't even, for, if I remember right, the red cards weren't even for like, bad tackles. They were no, offered the same. Yep. <laughs> Because oh, I, I remember he uh, before he came, I remember uh, there was there was two things I remember when he signed because he went. Everybody obviously looked in his Instagram and he posted lots of forlorn pictures of him at Gaps Cube going, "I've made I've made mistakes, but now now is the time that I'm I'm I've, I'm a changed man. I've I had a temper before, but I, I'm in control of my anger and stuff like that. I, like this is my time to turn around. I'm going to become a professional footballer." And then, of course, he got three red cards in the reserves. Like, I don't, I don't even know. Like, it must be pretty hard to get sent off in the reserves. Like, I mean, we were absolutely I mean? flying with the red cards that league that year in the <laughs> reserves. Max Melbourne got one as well for slapping somebody. But um, I just want to uh, re- remind you of uh, Jack Stoner's red cards before he came to this, where he headbutted a guy and then get sent off. And then, as he left the pitch, he kicked an advertising hoarding. And um, he suffered a foot injury that kept him out for longer than the three-match ban. That <laughs> <laughs> sums him up, doesn't it? Do you know something? I was at the game where Lee Griffiths did that. Almost the exact same thing. He missed a chance. So he kicked an advertising hold and broke his foot. Incredible. I was looking into uh, Jack Storer's career there. And he said there that in 1819, he signed for Redditch United. Um, he played two appearances. Then he left. He played uh, seven times for three other clubs. And then Redditch United signed him again, <laughs> where he played once. 
it, that's to me is like um, a woman who sees a bad boy and just thinks, I can fix him. I can fix him. Which is bad <laughs> enough, but then he's just done it twice. He played twice and then like a year later they signed him again and then shipped him off. And what I found incredible is that he played for four teams during 2020 when there was a pandemic and no football. He managed to get four clubs, which is just <laughs> incredible stuff. He's like, like the ultimate... It, it, He's like a cult anti-hero. He's, he's, he's brilliant. 10 out of 10, I would sign him again. Definitely. I'm thinking his dad, his dad must be his agent and just like threatening folk to sign him. That's the only thing I can think of because like the, the best bit about it was um, he, called, he called Man Pete a fat cunt. And I replied going, the absolute knack of this guy we released uh, abusing supporters on inst- on uh, on Twitter, and he replied to me saying, "Good luck, you're going to get relegated this season." <laughs> that was that was still 1819, I believe. More so, him, man. That's, that's the only season we've not been relegated in the last three years. I look who's <laughs> laughing I, now. I, I know. The <laughs> thing that stuck with me was his misspelling of relegated. It was R E L A gated. <laughs> So I think maybe I, he's I, H. I, That's how he spells definitely. <laughs> is this is this you coming out confirming Jack Stoner is H? Is that what? It, I mean, like, it's a theory, right? It's a theory. <laughs> I, I just want to mention the goal again because I cannot overstate just how incredible it was. I swear it was a cross that wasn't even meant for him, and he just he just put his foot out and just thought, "Fuck it, I'm going to hit it." Mid cross, it was going across to the other side of the pitch, and he hit it. And I've, ne- I've never seen such beauty in my life. It's incredible. It's honestly the best, best goal. <laughs> I mean, this goal is pretty special. I'd marry this goal. I'm not gonna lie. But you just like, know he's sending thing, that out to clubs, and that's how he's getting signed for sure. It's just like his highlights reel. It's uh, just that goal, basically, and absolutely. nothing else. <laughs> like, the David, does your wife punt Versace jackets on her Instagram? <laughs> from time to time but she's at that game the the thing though the thing about that goal for me is like it was one of those ones where you would you would have like your English football banter boys going on about the swaz like the what or the sauce or all that sort of shite you see on Twitter oh the swaz on that oh check the check the sauce on this and you're like just a fucking good goal, mate. Can we no context Wallace uh, clip uh, check the sauce on that, please? <laughs> <laughs> has, has has a worse player ever scored a better goal? No, that's it's a, a good question. Yeah. It's a good question. I think it's one question. for another day, though. I think we should wrap it there. It's been very enjoyable. Um, I think we'll do another one of these lists. Obviously not top 10 worst signings, but maybe top 10 worst games or something along that line. And I have very much enjoyed having David Forrest, John Ferguson and Mark Wallace with me today. So thank you, gentlemen, for coming on. Thanks very much. Pleasure. Pleasure. As always, thank you for listening to Draw, Lose or Draw. You can find us on Twitter at Draw, Lose or Draw and on Facebook. If you've enjoyed us, it'd be really great if you could give us a rating on iTunes. And as always, stay safe and wear a mask.